really the topic for this month, the next 30 days that we begin to talk through. Um, I guess it's on a card, um, so you know it's love, so it's not a surprise that it's love. But we're going to be talking about the love of God and understanding the power of the love of God in our life in order to bring breakthrough. And I thought it was kind of funny at first, and as I was thinking through the different subjects and the different things that we're going to be talking about in relation to breakthrough, and I kind of at first thought it was funny. You know, like I could understand us talking about faith in our three months of breakthrough, right? I could expect us to be talking about hope or expectation. I would expect us to talk about confession and these different things that have kind of become, I guess you would say, keys for breakthrough. You know, like when we talk about faith, we're all expecting to hear about the breakthrough. When we talk about confession, we're expecting to hear about the breakthrough. And as I began to think about, about this concept of why would we choose to talk about love in this three months of breakthrough. Um, and I think that kind of to begin, I think that we have to establish really an understanding of what love is. Because I think that in our culture, especially in the English language, the word love can become highly diluted, right? Like we would say, you know, I love God, but I also love ice cream, and I love my wife, and I love my dog, and I love tattoos, you know? We use the word love so flippantly and frequently that I think sometimes when we talk about the love of God, it can be a difficult thing for us to understand how is the love of God going to be this mechanism that I use for breakthrough, right? And although that I think it's great that people are so positive and I love people who are very expressive and they love everything, I think that what happens to us is that when we don't understand the root of what it means for us to, as we're going to talk about, live in this place of love. And actually, uh, when we talk about this word love, there's really six main Greek words that are used throughout the Bible, but we're going to focus on just three of them because they're kind of the ones that we know. And the first one is this word eros, which is meant for kind of like sensual love, right? It's kind of like the husband and wife kind of love. Could I get an amen? That's it, really? I was thinking like, amen, right? All the dudes, right? The second one is this, uh, the, 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 the second one is where it's really talking about brotherly love or this, it's kind of like uh, people who would have gone through war together. And so they have this brotherly kind of a bond. But the love that we're going to talk about tonight and over the, the course of this month is this word that in the New Testament, they use the word called agape. And people, uh, scholars who study these things would say that this a word agape, this definition of love is the most radical type of love. It is a, it's like a selfless love. It's an unconditional love. And when we talk about this word agape, it's really designed for us to be able to see a picture or an expression of God's unconditional love for his children. And this place of unconditional love is something that we kind of have to establish two quick things when we're talking about the love of God. And the very first thing that we have to understand is, is that the love of God is unconditional. And, you know, using this word unconditional, we hear it all the time and we get it. But I think that sometimes this can be the biggest hindrance with people when we're talking about living in the love of God. Because, you know, as human beings, we are conditional. 
you know, and our love is conditional, and that's kind of the way that we are, right? You know, I love you when it's good. You know, I love ice cream when it's good, but I hate ice cream when it makes my stomach feel all funky and does some weird things to me, you know? I love my dog when she's amazing and I'm petting her. I hate my dog when she poops on my floor, right? You understand? And so because of that, it could be our very expression of love and our very understanding of love can be based on a very conditional understanding, But when we talk about God and his unconditional love, actually the reason why God is unconditional love is that the scriptures tells us that the very thing that makes up God is love, right? Like I'm made up of carbon and you are made up of carbon. The very, kind of like the foundation of who we are, this is like science nerd stuff, but if you didn't know this, you're made of carbon, okay? And, and, but God is not made of carbon. He's not 70% water like we are as human beings. The scripture tells me that God is love, okay? And the easiest way for me to kind of get an understanding of what this is, is, is it would be like me saying, I am man, right? I am man. For those of you who didn't know, I am man, right? I can't separate myself from my manhood, right? I could have a hundred operations and I could put on a dress and I could have long nails, but at the foundation of who I am, I can't change the fact that I am a man. When I wake up, I wake up a man. Whatever kind of clothes I put on, I'm a man, right? I don't wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and hope to God that I still wake up a man, right? It never happens to me because I understand that you can't separate Alex McDonald from the fact that he's a man. God is like that, except God cannot be separated by love. In fact, the only thing that constrains God is love. God can't do anything outside of love and the love that he has for people. And so when we talk about the unconditional love of God, we have to understand that there's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. There's nothing that you could do. And I think that sometimes when we talk about breakthrough, when we talk about God answering our prayers, when we talk about miracles happening in our lives, when we talk about those things, it's kind of like it's easy for us to understand that God would want to bless a pastor right? Because a pastor's doing a good thing, but surely God couldn't bless me because, you know, the last time I read my Bible, I had to like wipe the dust off the cover, right? And I think that sometimes because in our human ability to understand love, that's the way that we experience it. People love me when I'm good and they don't love me when I'm not so good. But God doesn't work like that. You know, God has never thought an unloving thought about you ever, ever. Like, think about the worst thing you ever did, right? Like that time that you, like, pinned a cat to a clothes hanger, right? Remember, think about that time. I never did that, but I heard a story about that, and it's clearly scarred me, okay? Think about the worst thing that you've ever done in your life, and even in that moment, the lowest of the low that you've ever been, God only had the absolute most loving thoughts about you. In fact, the scripture tells me very plainly that, that even while I, when I was a sinner, like when God was looking into the future, he saw me at my lowest of my low point. And the Bible says that it was in that moment when he saw me at my lowest, not my greatest, he saw me at my lowest, that's when he decided to send Jesus 
to die on the cross for me so that I could experience breakthrough. I mean, that's a, that's a different kind of love. That's a different kind of understanding of what the love of God looks like. And I think that when we talk about the power of love, the very first thing that I have to understand is that I'm not like in and out of God's love. I'm not like, you know, I have to make sure that every single day I do all these things so that God will love me because I really need my breakthrough, okay? That's not the way that it works. In fact, that's performance, and that's going to be the thing that keeps us outside of our blessing because now it makes me feel like, or the thought process is, if I could just be good enough, then God could bless me. But how many of you know you can never be good enough to deserve the sacrifice that Jesus went to the cross for? We could never deserve it, but thank God we don't have to deserve it. Thank God we don't have to earn it. Thank God I don't have to be good enough. Thank God I don't have to do enough good things in order for him to love me. But his love is unconditional. He loved me before I was born. He loved me after I'm dead and gone. His love is unconditional for me. And so that's the very first thing that I have to understand is that his love towards me, it's unconditional. The second thing that I, I want us to understand in why we're talking about love and why it's such a crucial key to breakthrough, it's actually found in 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13, if you know it, it's kind of this famous love scripture, right? I mean, if you go to any Christian wedding or even semi-Christian wedding, you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to hear 1 Corinthians 13 because it's kind of this famous love passage. And I actually love the passage. You know, I, I, I love talking about love, and I feel like it's just such an amazing thing that we would love each other. And it does that. It talks through a whole bunch of characteristics about love, you know? It talks about love is patient and love is kind. Love is never jealous. Love believes the best of every person but put right kind of at the end of this uh, you know section of characteristics where we talk about the love of God it kind of makes this quick statement real short three words and then it kind of like bounces away from it and I think that sometimes if we aren't careful we can kind of read past it as fast as those three words are but I think that this is why when we talk about breakthrough we have to talk about love because the words that it says this it says that love never fails. Think about that. Love never fails. Imagine that, you know, like someone gave you a business strategy and they said, this is perfect. It will never fail. That'd be the best business plan that you could ever get, you know? Open up this restaurant. I, I, uh, there were, there's some secret behind it and you'll never fail. This statement is such a good statement and we love it. And this is the way that God defines when we understand how to live in his love. There is a power, there is a force behind the love of God. There's a force behind when I live a lifestyle of love that scripturally guarantees me, right? Like this isn't just like a scripture that's like, you know, it works sometimes, it doesn't work. No, we, we, I could take this scripture to the bank just like I take any other scripture. And it tells me that when I live inside of this love, that this love does something in me. It changes something on the inside of me. It does something to my situation. It takes that impossible situation and somehow makes it possible. Why? Because when I live inside of this place, when I access the power of God, that love never fails. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about you, but I think that this is probably, you know, faith is good. 
but we don't get a guarantee about faith like this. You know, hope is good, but we don't really get the same kind of guarantee. But with love, we get this amazing guarantee that if I could just simply do this, if I could just figure out inside of my brain that God loves me all the time and no matter what I do, he loves me and he wants the best for me. I access something now that no matter what the situation is that I'm going through, this force causes me to never fail. I want that kind of power in me to never fail. Do you? But I mean, if there was anything that I would probably ask for, like if I had a genie and I could make three wishes, I think that all of my three wishes would be, you know, I wish that I would never fail. I wish I would never fail. I wish I would never fail, right? And this is what the love of God does for me. The love of God makes it possible for me to step out in any endeavor that I would desire to do. And when I live constrained by the love of God, I access this power of God that gives me the ability to never fail. I think this is what people understood. I think that when David was looking down the battlefield at Goliath, he had this revelation that when God loves me and I understand that God loves me, I can run at my problem and not retreat. I think that when Daniel was in the lion's den, right? And he's looking at those lions thinking these guys sure look hungry. What he realized something, what God loves me so much, he would never let this happen to me. And what happens now, there's a force on the inside of me that emanates possible. It emanates doable. Because why? Love is a force that I make, gives me this amazing ability to never fail. You know, I was thinking about this, that if this is true, and God is love, which we've established, and I am a, a child of love, right? It, it's like my dad, or, or like my daughter, right? That was weird. My unborn daughter. Now I don't have to use my dad because I am the dad, right? It's from promotion. It's like my daughter, right? We got this amazing sonogram. I wish I could show you. It's like this 3D rendering of her, and you could literally see her face, and it's crazy. And like different people have seen it, and you can like literally, it's the craziest thing. But you could see like, oh my gosh, she has my lips. And like we look at it like with Danielle's nose, right? She's got that French nose, right? You know what I'm saying? The French nose, right? <laughs> She's got that French nose, right? And it's amazing how, I, like my daughter, yeah, beautiful French nose. Like my wife is beautiful. You all know that, right? But it's like that with God, that if God is love and I am a child of love, think about this, and love never fails and I'm made of the stuff that, man, I was born for breakthrough. I was born to win. Failure, it's not an option for me. It may be impossible for you. It's not, a, you don't know who my dad is. You don't know what I'm made of. Why? I'm a son of the possible. I am a son of never fails. This is my DNA. I was born for breakthrough. I was born to do impossible things. Why? Because this is my very nature. And so when we're talking about this, when we talk about understanding how to live a lifestyle of love, and as I began to think about the importance, because there is an element where we understand that God is love. And it's kind of like when we talk about grace and faith, 
right? Like grace is God's part and faith is our part, okay? There is an element where we have to come into the understanding that God is love and he loves me unconditionally. Forever and ever, amen, right? And that's just the truth. But just knowing that God is love isn't enough in order for me to experience the power of breakthrough because of that love. There has to be, like in everything in the scripture, there has to be a partnership. Where, like, I think about this all the time. If I was Peter, I would have rather Jesus filled my boat, and then I would have let him use my boat. And it's, it's, that's the truth, right? I would have rather Jesus did the miracle and fed me lunch, and then I would stay to listen to him preach. But that's not the way that it works in the New Testament. You see, it's we plant the seed, and then uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens down there that I have no idea and really don't care to know how it works. But unless I plant the seed, my ground could be ready. The love of God is ready to cause breakthrough in every area of your life. God is not holding a single thing back from you at all, ever. He decided when Jesus went to the cross, he decided then, 2,000 years ago, that you would be a recipient of everything good about heaven. However, just like I have to plant the seed in the ground, there is a partnership where we have to choose to live inside a lifestyle of love. And so how do I activate this love? How do I activate the love of God? Because I want that power. I want the power that never fails. I want to live in a place where God is on the scene all the time in my life, whether I know it or not. Like I heard a testimony one time of a, a minister, and he was doing something. I think he had just got home from a ministry trip, and he was sitting inside, and he heard this big transport truck pull up to his house. And they offloaded uh, this Harley Davidson motorcycle that he wanted. And he went outside to the truck driver and said to him, like, hey, I didn't, I wouldn't have personally said this. I would have just taken it. But he was a man of great character. And he went out to the truck driver and said, hey, I didn't order this. This isn't mine. It must be for somebody else. And they went through all the paperwork. And surely enough, somebody had bought this guy a motorcycle. And later on that day, he was talking to the Lord, and he said to the Lord, Lord, what, I, I don't understand this. I didn't even ask for the motorcycle. And the Lord's response to him was, yeah, but you thought about it. That's the kind of power I want to access. I want to access the power where even my thoughts... God is answering those. I want it to be that I don't even have to utter a word. But because I understand who I am and who's on the inside of me and what that means for me, I want to live that kind of love. I don't want to have to just speak to the mountain. I want it to live in a place where the mountains just level before me. And that's what God is talking about. The scripture uses this term sweatless victory. And I think this is what it's all about. When I realize that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living, active, it's, it's working on the inside of me, I realize that wherever I go, it's going to prosper. That wherever I go, healing flows. Wherever I go, things happen because this is who I am. And so when we talk about understanding how to activate this love, because I think this is the question for each of us, okay, how do we activate it? Right? How do I do it? 
Now, there's a caveat to this. I think personally, walking in love, how can I say this? It's the hardest thing probably you'll ever do, right? It's the hardest thing. Like the other day, I was skinny in my basement, and my basement is really low. It's one of those old houses, or it was made for dwarfs, okay? One of the two. Like, trolls used to live in my house, and that's why it's so small. I don't know, okay? But literally, everywhere you walk, you, like, hit your head. And I probably hit my head five times, and I have two cuts on my head. I tell you something, it was a really good opportunity. One of my cuts, I failed walking in love. Thank God I learned for the second one, and that one I walked in love. Now, if you're, thinking, if you're going by my thoughts, I was not walking in love, but based off of my response, I was. Right, I wasn't thinking in love, but I was, well, walking in love. I kind of just paced in circles. You know how you do that? Hand in your head, and you're like, this is all I can do, right? So this is what, this is what it is. This is what happened. And, and I think that as we're talking about this love, it's a challenge that we have to do. You don't accidentally, you know, actually, that's the thing. That when they talk about, I'm just going to skip back because I read this. They talk about that word eros, love. And you know how people say, you know, like, I fell in love. Scholars, when they talk about this kind of love, like this kind of like, I can't help it kind of love, scholars regard that it's actually like the most dangerous or volatile kind of love. It's kind of like an out-of-control kind of love. And that's not the kind of love that we're talking about. We're talking about a kind of love that we on purpose put in place in our life. And that's when, if any of you have tried to walk in love, you know. You know. It's kind of like the most dangerous prayer. It's kind of like when you pray for patience, right? I did that. And in between my house to the church is four stoplights. And they always are red because I prayed for patience, right? I think that because that's how God works it out in us, right? He doesn't just magically like tap you with a magic wand. What? He works us out. Right? He, he, he causes there to be friction and tension, and that's how we, that's why I'm praying for this. You know, Lord, help me to be a person who loves. Ooh, that's a dangerous prayer. But what I'm saying is it has to be on purpose. You want to access, you want to partner, you want to partner with God, you want to partner with your nature, you want the love of God to flow through you to the place where it's causing breakthrough to happen automatically. It's on purpose. It's a choice. We choose to live in this place. And so the very first thing that we have to do to activate this, uh, Romans 8, 32 to 39 is this amazing passage. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. But it says this, that God, he didn't spare even his own son. And this is a wild picture for me. Because when I think about Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross, I realize that it's the weirdest thought, but when God was setting up the plan of redemption, you know, it wasn't another being who set up the plan for redemption. And because God wanted to redeem us, he had to do somebody else's plan. You understand what I'm saying? God was the one who decided the payment for our sin was going to be that he would put Jesus on the cross. Right? Like, if it was me, I would have said, my plan of redemption is this. Everybody in the world has to eat a marshmallow at the same time, and then you will be redeemed, and you will live forever in, in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. But God was so desperate 
Think about this. This is the nature of your father. He was so desperate that we would understand the magnitude of his love for us that he set up the plan where his son would have to die a gruesome death in order for him to save you. He set up the plan and he executed the plan all because he loved you so much. This is the picture that Romans is telling me is that he wouldn't even spare the very best of what he had. So in order for me to access the love of God, the very first thing that I have to do is I have to do business with that. That there is absolutely nothing that I have to do in order to earn this love. There is absolutely nothing that I have to do in order to qualify for it, in order to be good enough for it. It's not like a wavering thing. It's not up one day and down the next. It's not here and then it's gone. It's not this fleeting thing. The, the love of God it, it, it is here and it's here to stay. And in order for me to access that love, because it's like a gift. It would be like if, you know, I went to Steve and I was like, here, Steve, this is my gift of a cup of coffee. And he said, well, how much do I have to pay for it? And I would say, no, 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 it's a gift. I'm giving it to you. And he would say, oh, that's amazing. What do I have to do in order to earn it? And I would say, no, 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 Steve, it's a gift. Like, it's free. Like, do you speak English? It's free, right? I'm giving this to you, right? And he would say, okay, 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 but like, what are the stipulations? What's the guideline? What's the contract? And I think that sometimes that's what we can do when it comes to the love of God. So the very first thing that I have to do is I have to come to a place where I understand his love, his desire for me to break through, his desire for me to increase, his desire for me to experience the blessing, his desire for me to be healthy, his desire for me to have good relationships. That's here to stay. It's not conditional based off of my behavior. It's here to stay. Jesus died and he sealed my breakthrough in his blood. 2,000 years ago, his blood paid the price for this breakthrough that you're sitting in the chair here right now believing the Lord for. It's already done. Like, you're not trying to get God to do it. No, no, what I'm doing is I'm trying to get myself and my brain to get into the place where I realize he loves me so much, and because he loves me so much... This is why it's going to happen for me. The second thing that we have to do, Ephesians 3, 17 and 19 says it like this, that you would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. What does this talk to me about? So my point number one is I have to understand that God loves me. Part number two is it's an action, right? Like I've been planting things at my house trying to make, you know, my backyard look nice and I choose where my plants are rooted. Like, I don't just, like, close my eyes, take a wheelbarrow, and fling it in the air. If I was that strong, it would be amazing. But if I took a plant, and I just said, like, woo, and just threw it, right? No, it's intentional. Being rooted in love is not something that, like, my plants don't just accidentally trip and stumble into the ground. No, it's an intentional action. So when we read about this, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, it's an action. It's an intentional thing that I do on purpose that I would be rooted in this place of love. 
This is where it's my part. This is where it's I choose to live a lifestyle of love. In all the decisions that I make, in the way that I relate to people, when I feel afraid, when I feel betrayed, when I feel rejected, when I feel worried, when I feel anxious, what am I choosing to respond with? Am I choosing to respond in love so that I connect to the place where God's love is and when I connect into those things, miracles happen? Or am I going to choose to, to act out of hate or fear or dread where now I disengage myself from being to access what God, I'm the one who chooses that. Where am I rooted? So where am I rooted? So God is love and his love for me is unconditional. Am I going to choose to root myself there? The third thing, Hebrews 4.16 says it like this, that we're to come boldly to the throne. And this talks to me about what is my identity because of love. You know what I've realized? You know, I get to do a lot of work in our Momentum Center with Rhema Therapy. One of the things that I realize is it's actually shocking to me how when the enemy comes to attack us, you know, somebody can come in and they can have like these different things and, you know, I don't have enough money, I don't have blah, 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 all these different things. And when we kind of like root, work it down to the root issue, it's funny how those are just symptoms. Yeah. Where the devil loves to try to attack us is in our identity. Yeah. He tries to make us feel like we're less than who God says that we are. Right? Like, I mean, I would say this, put your hand up. You don't have to put your hand up, but put your hand up if you've done a rhema on I'm a failure. Right? Don't put your hand up, because everybody would. We know you all would. I would. But you don't have to for the sake of embarrassment. Put your hand up. Don't put your hand up. Hypothetically, put your hand up in your head. If you've ever done a rhema where it says, I'm not good enough. You all have done it. I've done it. I know you've all done it, because I've done it, and we've all done it. Well, the very first place he loves to attack us is in our identity. He loves to make me feel like I could understand that Steve could get breakthrough, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how low I've been. You don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how afraid I've been. You don't know how nerve. You don't know how mean I've been. What? The enemy loves to attack us in our identity. That's why the third thing we have to understand when we activate God's love in our life is I have to understand I am, I'm a son. Or for you ladies in here, I'm a daughter. This is, this is who I am. I don't have to ask permission. I don't ask permission to go in my dad's fridge. Maybe I should. Because <laughs> I'm almost 33 now. But I don't. Why? Because he's my dad. I wouldn't walk into most of your houses and go into your fridge. Some of you, maybe I would. Definitely the Poyers, because I would go get some of their eggs. But that's just me. But what? My relationship He's our dad. You know, I think about this all the time, and I say this to people. It's kind of like my go-to encouragement because it's so real on the inside of me. Maybe you could close your eyes. And just think about this. Think about your breakthrough. Think about the thing that you're believing God for. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's in your families. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's a job, whatever it is. Think about this. God, your Father, wants this breakthrough more for you than you want for yourself. God believes more in 
what this will do for you than even you believe. God wants you healthy more than you want to be healthy. God wants you blessed more than you want to be blessed. You know all those people who told you that your relationship could never be fixed? God wants that relationship to be fixed even more than you want it to be fixed. This is our Father. We're not trying to beg for it. I don't, I'm not trying to be so perfect that I can, oh, earn it from God, that he would look at me and be so proud. That's not the way that this is. He loves us so much, so intensely, so passionately, that he wants this breakthrough for us more than we want it ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we believe this. We believe this as our truth. This is our reality. That you want this more for us than we want it for ourselves. 2,000 years ago, you set in motion, Father, because of your great love for us, a plan to live in and experience our breakthrough. Right now, Lord, we just do this as an act of our will collectively. We just loose from our souls any words that have been spoken, any words that we've spoken, any words that have been spoken over us that have made us feel as though this thing is impossible, that it could never happen. And right now, Heavenly Father, as an act of our will, we choose to bind to ourselves the reality, the understanding, the truth that you are love. And in that love, we can never fail. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.